it already. Fucking relax. <laughs> so it's kind of like, so, because I haven't raced the 86 series, but I've driven them a few times. Is it kind of like the NASCAR rules in a way? So it's really strict. And if you damage something, then this goes out of place and, you know, just it, it's a lap like a... Yeah, no, 100%. It is super strict and it's good, actually, um, the way they do it because it sort of makes sure, you know, makes sure obviously everybody presents the same, same car um, mm. to the competition, which is good. And, you know, obviously there is a bit of leniency with certain things that happen on track. You know, if you had a, if you did have something happen on track, probably, you know, they'd, they'd view it sort of depending on the circumstances a little bit um, mm. and obviously treat it on merit, I guess. I was more just freaking out because I overthink everything, man. It's just like <laughs> the engineering brain was going like a million miles an hour going like, what if, man? Like, I can't control this. But, oh, man, someone just told me I won. Like, I was sitting there freaking out. Like, I was sweating bullets sitting there just going like, someone let me let were me know. You, were you overthinking this podcast before you're getting you? Oh, 100%. Really? Yeah, I overthink everything, man. It's a bit like Brooke. Brooke I overthinks totally a lot of it. We would like to thank our major sponsor, Thrifty Car Rental. If you're looking for a great deal on your next car rental for an upcoming trip, check out their website for the latest offers. You can find all the links in our show notes. Go, go, go! Are you doing it? He's in! That's a massive crash! And it's happened immediately! This is amazing! Big shot, big shot! And it's lights out and away we go! G'day, I'm Dan Hawley Hollihan and welcome to my motorsports podcast up on the Couch with Hawley Season 2 which is more than just a motorsports podcast. My guests are from all sides of the track, eras and personalities. You will meet some who have spent their careers chasing the dream to those who have only just touched on it and went on to aspiring journeys. We learn their stories beyond the helmet. On today's episode, we've got the Toyota 86 Gazoo Series champion, Lachlan Gibbons. Working as a privateer, Lockie and his dad, Simon, run their team with a small budget, but get the job done as the leaders of the pack. We learn about what it takes to win a championship from the ground up. Lachlan also explains to Brooke and myself that despite the budget shortfall, sponsors can come on board at the most random moments during a race meeting. Now that's a story you don't want to miss. I could go on and on at what Lachlan's achieved in racing, so let's hear it from the man himself, Lachlan Gibbons. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I guess the podcast is live and ready to go. Yeah, we're ready to go. Well, Lockie, as you were coming on the potty, I was asking, how was the trip here? Trip here was uh, very frustrating because I think it's probably a common thing coming from the west out this way. But uh, every time I leave home, I'm always just like, "Oh yeah, it'll be a good trip. Be nothing wrong this time." Yeah. And what do we have? A Friday afternoon in Sydney. It's perfect, perfect weather, perfect traffic, all the way to Chatswood. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, no, it just turned into. A nightmare. So. Yeah, it, it seems as like when you come from Northern Beaches, though, it hits a shit show. Do you know what I mean? Because it just goes into the beaches roads and then that's yep. where it separates from the rest of the world. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and I just bought a new car as well. So I'm sitting there in my new, in a new car for me going like, everybody just leave me alone. <laughs> I don't want to like drive, you know, into gaps or anything like I would on the track or whatever because it's just like I can't even judge where the edges of the car are, yeah. which is actually stupid because it's the same car as what, a race, so it's a, oh, so it's a Toyota. It's a Subaru. Oh, it's a Subaru. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a BRZ. Same, same show, yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, it's it's so different. So I'm like sitting there being ultra careful, and everybody's just just hammering me, man. It's it's crazy out there. It's yeah. free for all on the roads these days. Yeah. So we before this podcast, we were talking obviously on Bathurst Bites, which everyone seems to like. They keep going back to it on the potty. Um, but back then, you were literally challenged for the championship, trying not to wreck your car in the rain, 
How was that? Um, to- that how was that weekend for you, anyway? Oh, stressful from pretty much start to finish. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was. Gosh, it was. Um, I mean, I sort of expected the stress going into it, to be honest, in a lot of ways. But uh, once we got to the track and I guess got used to the uh, the weather, yeah, um, I think that probably more than anything else was giving me giving me grief because, as you say, you know, I was trying to keep keep the car off the wall, manage the championship, manage the the filming that was happening at the track and everything else. And yeah, I think I um, raised a few heart rates on the on the pit wall yeah. <laughs> at various points throughout the weekend, but. Yeah, no, it's just um, I don't know. I think I think motorsport obviously is is always some, like some degree of stressful. But this particular you know weekend, I've never never had that much pressure on me ever before. I don't think because um, there's a lot of like there's financial incentive. There's obviously the performance incentive, and more than anything, actually, I kept kept sort of thinking to myself, I don't want to be the guy who led the whole season and then left it. That's yeah. all the last race to lose the championship. And so, bottled it. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I was I was freaking out inside the helmet. But um but yeah, once we crossed the finish line, it was just so much relief, man. Like yeah, yeah it, it, just, feel, it feels like as me, it was the same thing that you went through, I went through at Eastern Creek. It feels like once it kind of gets off your chest, you're like, Oh, thank God. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like Oh, it's just it's like um it's like every it's like someone's told you you getting a bonus of work and then also you don't have to work for the rest of the year and there's no, nothing wrong with that. It's great. It's yeah. just like, um, yeah, like I was I was actually, I mean, I was relieved at the end of the race, I will say, but um, I was still a little bit stressed because uh, when I came in off the track, I was sort of like freaking out about all the things that, you know, I can't control, like, you know, obviously all the, all the technical stuff as well and all the weights and everything because we were sitting in scrutineering for a good probably half an hour before I could see um, any of my pit crew. So, yeah, yeah I was... To decide, probably, to decide that you won the championship, really? So you had to wait for half an hour? Yeah, yeah. Well, because I, I mean, I thought I'd like on track I'd won it, but as in we needed to finish all the technical side because um, the 86 series is like super, super strict with the way they um, manage the cars. So they went over all the cars in pretty significant detail. So, you know, obviously I was expecting everything to be fine, but just was sort of sitting there going there like, oh, you know, like what if, what if, what if, you know, like, I mean, even something as simple as a, you know, camber that if you had a bump on the track or whatever, which I did, it can, if it goes too far negative, then, you know, you get in trouble for that. So all that sort of stuff was playing on my mind and just I was going, you know, yeah, like we're thinking of all the what ifs and like, obviously I can't control any of it, but yeah, yeah I'm sitting there going like, oh man, like someone just tell me I've won it already. So I can relax. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like, so, cause I haven't raced the 86 series, but I've driven them a few times. Is it kind of like the NASCAR rules in a way? So it's really strict and if you damage something, then this goes out of place and, you know, just it, it's a lap like a... Yeah, no, 100%. It is super strict and it's good actually um, the way they do it because it sort of makes sure, you know, makes sure obviously everybody presents the same the same car um, mm. to the competition, which is good. And, you know, obviously there is a bit of leniency with certain things that happen on track. You know, if you had a, if you did have something happen on track, probably, you know, they'd, they'd view it sort of depending on the circumstances a little bit um, mm. and obviously treated on merit i guess i was more just freaking out because i overthink everything man it's just like <laughs> the engineering brain was going like a million miles an hour going like what if man like i can't control this that oh man someone just told me i've won like i was sitting there freaking out like i was sweating bullets sitting there just going like someone let me let were me know <laughs> were you overthinking this podcast before you're getting you oh 100 really yeah, i overthink everything man it's a bit like brooke, brooke I, overthinks totally, a lot yeah. of it. I was gonna say i understand you i did the same thing i'm doing it right now like when we turn on a podcast i'm like are all the cameras on is the like audio working is this is that you know oh 100 
and I get it all the time. I think uh, a couple of the other guys in the series have been renowned in the past for um, overthinking things. And um, I went and spoke to some of the um, uh, series organizers after the whole thing had finished, and they were just like, "Oh." You finally managed not to overthink it, think it this year, and I was just like, oh, "No, I did, but <laughs> just less than, less than the other years." So, um, so yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely definitely part of part of me, but um, it's good for engineering, but not so not so helpful when you're um, yeah sitting on the grid before the race or something, and you're going like, "Oh, what if?" You know, and then all these things just go through your brain and um, take your focus away. So, yeah. generally, I need a lot of quiet time and before the race is just to. Do you do any pre-race rituals? Someone's asked me this before and I said no, but then I thought about it. I think, I, th- I don't know if it's through habit or just something that I've always done, but like I have like a finger tapping exercise, which I didn't realize I was doing necessarily until someone pointed it out to me. And I just, yeah, sort of before the race, I'll just sort of do that and exercise my hands and whatever, just to get, make sure that they're not going to cramp. Like it's to make sure they don't cramp. Yeah. The start of the race, you get really tense. Yeah. 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 No, I used to have problems with uh, cramping in my hands and forearms and whatever from the formula four days. Yeah. Um, you probably know from driving oh, know, a man. Plenty, plenty about that. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> they're, they're a tough gig, but, um, but yeah, yeah it's, it's not as relevant in the 86s, but it's just something I've done since, since when I did that, just to sort of make sure, you know, I wasn't going to cramp and it's more or less turned into a sort of calming thing, I guess, over time. So I think that's probably the only thing really but other than that it's sort of just make sure everybody doesn't talk to me when i'm grumpy <laughs> yeah you're mentioning about your engineering stuff like what made you go from school to uni to what made you decide engineering because brooke obviously did it but brooke might have done it for different reasons so like what what made you go was it the f1 stuff the car racing or was it just um designing and building things probably more yeah just designing and having an interest in i guess how things work and how that relates to i guess the real world i think Obviously, the motorsport has influenced it, but um, I actually had the choice between mechanical and civil engineering in um, second year of uni, I think it was. Mm. Um, and I actually chose civil just out of sort of like I had equal interest in both mechanical and civil and just sort of thought, to be honest, the way the jobs market is, I sort of thought I'd probably go better in civil. It's sort of gone okay for me so far. Um, I think uh, engineering is good from a multitude of perspectives for me. Um, as I said, obviously, before, like I overthink things, but in engineering that's probably helpful in some ways like you can get through a problem and approach it from several different angles um, which is usually a good thing but engineering is also about yeah just trying to understand how things work like even when even back from the formula four days uh, i've just been sort of really interested in the mechanical side of and the i guess the setup side of of racing and trying to you know develop a a car over time and make it faster and um, i think it certainly helped my driving because um, i can understand uh, you know, what each change actually should feel like on the track. And then I'll compare that to what I actually feel in the car. Mm. Um, and if it's not achieving what it should theoretically achieve, then I'm going like, okay, why is that? And then we can sort of eliminate problems that way, mm. whether it's, you know, me or the car. So you do like the window and then work your way down type of thing. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, the th- did you do that in go-karts though? Or um, did you just drive fast like most <laughs> of us did in go-karts yeah, and win the whole thing? Or just, or just <laughs> wrap your hands around the wheel and hold on tight and yeah. try and pass everybody. So yeah. <laughs> that was go-karting for me. But uh, it's actually interesting. Like, you know, you see in motorsport a lot of the time, um, people who are good in go-karting sort of progress through and are generally good in, in race cars and whatever. But yeah, um, it is you do see the occasional person who, you know, might be really good in a go-kart and then isn't as, you know, inherently sort of fast in a, in a, in a car. Yeah. Um, and the opposite way around, which is probably more closer to what I had. Like I was, I wouldn't say like, not successfully karting, but um, yeah. certainly we 
we've found it easier in cars to, to find success. Not really sure why, to be honest with you. It's sort of, I don't feel like I've, I've done much different. I've raced more or less the same, but, um, but yeah, and no, I think potentially it comes back to the engineering side of it. And with karting, like I never really paid as much attention to, to that side of it. I'd always just say, dad, it's slow, fix mm. it. <laughs> See, as me as a driver though, I find um, for me, what you were saying with the go-karts, the cars, the thing that made me adapt to cars better was the suspension because in carts you don't have that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. that's maybe why it takes off for some but not for others. Do you know what I mean? Because they get stuck yeah. in the go-karting scene and they, they're they a great driver regardless. You see a lot of go-karters just do a few races in cars but they can't obviously afford mm. to go on and on and on, which you'd know anyway because you're a privateer. Yeah, no, that's right. And I think you're probably 100% right. It could just be the suspension aspect, you know, getting used to weight transfer and understanding – uh, like the harmonics of that and everything and how I guess different aspects of a car work and, and coming back to the sort of you know technical side of it. Um, if mm. you understand weight transfer and, and how tires actually function and you know what's the most you can get out of them in any particular situation, you can make the best of what a car can give you. Um, yeah. In karting, it's similar. Well, it's not quite the same uh, process I'll say as to um, in making it fast. Like you got to do other things and, um, obviously with, without a diff and with no suspension, they, they work very differently to how cars work, even if they may look the same, mm. um, they don't actually function the same. So, you know, I know all this now, but going back, you know, what is it? Eight, eight, nine years. I didn't know any of that stuff back then. So yeah. it was more sort of just, yeah, as I said, just get calling a mechanic to come yeah. and fix it for me and I'll just drive. <laughs> well, over the overthinking thing and the engineering thing that, that we've gone about the podcast, I actually want to know, um, like your first motorsports like memory as a kid, do you remember anything like watching the TV? Was it your dad racing or your dad's background in car? What, what, what was it that got you into like cars itself? Do you know what I mean? Cause that's what the people listen to on this podcast. Yeah, no, it was, um, it was definitely uh, dad actually. He, he indoctrinated me from very young. He stuck a, stuck a little photo of Michael Schumacher in my crib at the hospital. Really? Was, yeah. Did he legit do that? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Right. And, wow. Uh, yeah. So I was indoctrinated from when I was a couple of days old. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a long time. But, yeah. um, no, look in, in terms of my, like obviously comprehend, comprehending interest in motorsport. The first thing I actually remember is when dad was rallying, I think it was a Bathurst in a, like a New South Wales rally at Bathurst in, would have been 2000 or 2001 or something. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I was only like four or five or something at the time. And um, I remember because we had to go into the stage and, and retrieve him because he rolled the the old um, Zeddy used to rally and we yeah. had me and mum and I don't remember if there was anyone else, but yeah, definitely at least me and mum were going in there to try and retrieve him. <laughs> so um, I remember that, but. Well, so he'd rolled at Bathurst. Uh, not at the track itself, oh, but okay. it was it was in like the, I think it was Bathurst. It was Somewhere off in the scrub, like in the Bathurst, middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah so, behind the mountain or Bathurst scrub. Yeah, off in there. off in the bush somewhere, and yeah. um, we're, we were like driving into this stage. And I remember looking. I just I have this memory of um of the we had an old Pajero I think at the time, and it had a I'm not sure what they're called like a digital clock thing. And I remember seeing like it was eleven. It might have been eleven oh five or something. And it mm. just I just remember seeing that as we were going into to to um to pull him it. out. And yeah, yeah and and then um that sort of like I went to a few of the rallies after that and sort of just, you know, was around and in, enjoying the, the, uh, environment, I guess. Mm. Um, but I didn't actually get into motorsport for a couple of years after that. My first, um, go-kart was, I think in when I was 11. So I would have been, would have been 2007, I think. Yeah. Um, did you play any sports 
at school or anything like that? Really badly. Yeah, well, it's still a sport. So it's, hey, it's I, like, I was shit at every other sport by car <laughs> racing. So <laughs> Yeah, no, we, we pretty quickly worked out that uh, soccer is not for me, cricket, not for me. Um, <laughs> anything team sport that revo- that revolves around running and outdoor activity, not for me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, it was, it was actually um, uh, we got the go-kart and I think I did like one – test day in it or something and then we yeah. went and did the first race and I what was the go-kart well like what chassis was it do you um, remember was it an arrow or something or anything or? I think the very first one was an arrow yeah we only yeah. had it for about I think a year and then we got a top kart but I think I don't remember which type of arrow like which um model the chassis was but yeah it was an arrow and it was in uh midgets for one year and then we went to rookies and got a got a top kart and um had that for I think another two years um and that was that was the first kart I want to race in so that was did that Tim Craig favorite. help? Did Tim Craig help back then, or not really? I think from time to time, yeah, we didn't run with him exclusively, mm. um, or like you know, at, for any particular length of time. We did it mostly ourselves for a long time. Um, the first time I actually ran with the team properly was Cosmic Racing Australia team, as you yeah, you would Galvo. know. Yeah, good oh, old Galvo. Good old Galvo. <laughs> Let's hope he listens to this one. I actually do want to genuinely get him on the podcast. By the way, we need to get him in as a guest guest. Uh, guest speaker <laughs> yeah i know i was telling brooke about this brooke was like who's an interesting guest who's done a bit of racing but done other things mm. and gavo is the perfect example because he went from being like a legit plumber way out west in st Clair, you know struggling to get by and then owned the go-kart team that we were with and now he's like literally the head of i don't know what it is like he's one of the head hotel managers at yeah somewhere no, he's, and he's doing really well for himself from what i'm hearing and kicking back living in the eastern suburbs that's it uh, he's got so much it's so easy it's so easy these days doesn't he i'm sure i'm sure he'll love this when he hears it <laughs> he's got a porsche too he's loving life yeah we'll see he's not racing cars <laughs> that's why I, actually that's a brilliant idea i didn't think of that yeah no he's um no nah, look galvo galvo helped us a lot when we were in um in in go-karting and you know obviously just an all-round good guy um it's good to say i'm you know very happy that he's that he's doing well for himself these days and um yeah i'd love to love to catch up with him so get him on get him on get him on the podcast yeah we're talking about go-karting though do you have any memories of like especially for myself as well north shore kart club do you have any like memories that you've met like from you know mates that you've met through carts and cars now and who are mates with now do you have any memories like that or you're a bit, a bit introvert. Uh, I'm I'm fairly introverted as it is, but I have met a lot of people from um, from karting that you know we're all still pretty close mates today. Mm. Um, I still work with a fair few of them as it is at Driving Solutions at um, Sydney Motorsport Park. So we oh, all, so you work with Driving Solutions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I yeah. thought you just worked with Rick Bates. No, no, I've, I've worked with Rick in the past. Uh, some of the some of the driver training stuff I've I've done takes a fair bit of time like you got to be committed um for sometimes weeks at a time to the to a job you can't sort of take that sort of time off a normal job so when i was before i did um work at um council at, mm. um in the engineering role i'm in now um when i was at uni i used to be able to have a bit more time off so i used to be able to do stuff with rick a little bit more often and i used to do stuff with driving solutions a bit more often as well but just yeah recently it's been a little bit harder with the because I, I said work full time so it's you can't just take time off work all the time, but I do night work out there sometimes now. So, oh, driving solutions at night. Yeah, yeah. So After your other not, job. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep, so, so you go uh, back to back to back. Oh, that explains because trying to get in contact with you through your dad. Because mm. I was like, Lockie's literally not picking up. No, I'm hopeless sometimes when it comes to contact. <laughs> it's just. Uh, I was out. like, give him time, Dan. Give him time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just been, and I mean, especially at the moment, obviously having 
won the 86 series. We're trying to look at what to do um, for next year yep. and going forward. And um, yeah, So you've still got that 50K pocketed away essentially. Yep. You yep. didn't buy that new car with the 50K. Nope. You, nope. didn't buy, you didn't buy money with Toyota for, no. for the other brand. Nope, nope. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not commenting on the brand of that car. <laughs> it's the same car. It's the same car. Um, yeah. No, the um, the 50 grand was uh, in the bank for a little while, I hope. So yeah. we'll see how we go for next year. But, um, yeah, no, the, the obviously chasing chasing sponsors for next year for what we want to try and do is has been the main focus since since Bathurst and um, – how yeah. did you get old mate removals? That was the most randomest. <laughs> like I literally thought you were taking the, when I saw that on the car a few years ago, I thought you and Scott were taking the piss. <laughs> like, cause it literally says old mate removals. And I was like, did they just sticker this on with like race tape and put fucking old mate removals yeah, on there? No, Do you know what I mean? Um, like I literally thought it was like a, like a racing game thing. Do you know we, what I mean? We, um, it was actually, it's quite a, uh, it's an interesting story. Yeah. Um, the, so the first year we did 86s, um, we didn't have anything on the car at the first round at Phillip Island and we went to Townsville um, pretty much in the same boat because they weren't that – I don't think they were that far apart that year. And, yeah, I rocked up at Townsville and we'd done fairly well at, at Phillip Island and I think we were quick in practice mm. at Townsville. I think that's how it sort of kicked off. Um, and on the on – the, I think it was the Thursday afternoon after practice had finished, guy walks up to me and, you know, obviously – People walk up to you at the track all the time, so I wasn't sort of expecting anything. But, yeah, he, he approached me and he just sort of said, oh, um, I've seen your car going around on track. And I was like, yep, you know, obviously yeah, cool, yeah, thanks yeah. to the interest and everything. And he said, oh, how much would it be to put my name on the side of the car? And I was just like, sorry, come again. <laughs> yeah, did you think I, at the time it was his name on yeah, the car? Yeah, that's genuinely <laughs> what I thought. I'm, I'm thinking like, what, like why would someone want their name on the car? Peter Smith. Okay, yeah. cool, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, I mean, at the end of the day, money's money, so <laughs> I'll take what I can get. But um, but no, yeah. he, he sort of explained that he wanted to put his business on the side and I was like, oh, okay, you know, like we can definitely do a, do a deal for that. Yep. Um, so yeah, literally did a trackside deal, um, came up with a sum of money for him to, to put on, put his name on the side of the car. He went off and about half, uh, I think it was about half an hour later, he walks back with a wad of cash and I'm just like, Fair enough. <laughs> Holy shit. And then how'd you, how did you get, because that was the Thursday, was that the Thursday or the Friday that car was blank? Thursday. And then we I rang up a um, local sign writer because yep. um, I was ringing around trying to find someone and then someone else ended up recommending me to use this particular guy and um, mm. rang him up on the Thursday night and he said, yep, I can print that overnight. Um, don't worry about it. Like we'll just stick it on the car for free. So, like as in st- print the stickers yeah, for free. So yeah. sent, um, the, uh, Mr. Old Mate Removals is Daryl, by the way. So his okay. actual name's Daryl. Oh, that's good um, to know. That's good to know. Yeah. So Daryl went and got <laughs> hey, the Darryl. stickers and turned up the next day and uh, had the stickers for me. And I was like, sweet. All right, we'll stick them on the car. And yeah, it was um, on the car for the rest of that year. And then we sort of tidied up the um, livery a bit for 2020 onwards. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, with COVID, it didn't get a big debut in 2020, which is annoying, but anyway, yeah. but yeah, no, he, he loves it. He's just, he's just a general motorsport fan and he's from up in Bowen, which is I think about a couple of hours out of town or an hour or something. And mm. yeah, he's been sponsoring us the whole time since then. And we just, you know, I've, I've actually, what it's interesting you say that cause I watched a NASCAR clip of like a NASCAR fan called out of the groove. I don't know if you've heard of that channel anyway. He's a NASCAR fan. He's a viral YouTuber, right? And he was exactly like the fan that you said mm. came to you. And he just approached a NASCAR team and he said, hey, the one thing I've always wanted to do was sponsor a NASCAR. So back in Australia for you, it was obviously Daryl's sponsored with Old Mate Removals. Mm-hmm. And some people legit just get like 
that adrenaline rush for sponsoring a race car. And I guess that happened for Daryl, I guess. Yeah, hundred percent. No, he, lo- he he loves the sport, and um, he I think likes giving young guys a go. So for us as well, like given as I said, because we had good pace, him being a local business, it was always going to be good for him to sort of I guess make or take advantage of that um, in terms of what he needs to get out of it. But I think generally, yeah, like his his um, interest in in sponsoring is more about just sort of the enjoyment of the sport and and you know um, obviously he's helped us a lot and very appreciative of, of the support he's given and and I think he um, he's he's definitely said he wants to keep you know working with me in future going forward to other categories which is good oh that's good um, that's awesome yeah so it's um, I'm hoping that uh, we can sort out a deal but um, mm. but yeah no he, he's sort of um, taken me under his wing in a lot of ways actually um, like this year for, when we went up to, to Townsville he um he had a um, – it wasn't just um, his. It was sort of him and a conglomerate of other people. Mm. Um, but they had a this mad corporate box sitting up on the very top of the hill at Townsville, which overlooks all of the last few corners and you can see probably half the track from it. Um, and he just calls me up and he's just like, oh, like cause we won the first two races, I think. And um, he calls me up and he's just like, oh, come up here. Mm. I've got some people you might want to meet. And I'm just like, okay walk up to this pit box and he's all like, there's this mad party going on. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, what's, what's the go here? He's just like, oh, these are all my mates. So we just um, like, he introduces me to all of them and yeah. a couple of them are sponsoring, um, you know, some of the other guys and the super, like in supercars and whatnot. And one, yeah, of, them's, right. one of them is sponsoring um, Zach Best, I think. Yep. And um, yeah, like we're, I'm chatting away to all of them. And I think it was Bryce Ford's family were in there as well. And we're just like all having a bit of a, a bit of a yarn and, Bit to drink, so yeah, yeah. yeah, it was uh, it was a good, it was a good afternoon actually. It was probably one of the one of the best um, events in motorsport I've ever been to. So it's good when you can uh, kick back and relax a bit after after a day in the track, because you know a lot of the time, as you would know, um, you sort of feel like you're rushing from one thing to the next, and you yeah. don't, get, don't get much of a break. And you know, as soon as you finish one thing, you're just immediately thinking about the next thing, mm. um, or at least that's how I am anyway. I finished one race, and on the on the in lap, I'm thinking about the start of the next race. Um, <laughs> I'm so, different to you. I'm actually very, very relaxed, but at the same time, very focused. So yeah. like I try to relax my heart rate and think. So you're so, wait, you hop, you go from one session straight to the next. Mentally. Yep. Mentally in the pits. Wow. I, cl- I clock out as I come into the pits, then take a breather, then look at it. Yeah. No, even from, I've always been that way, even from karting days, man. Like just, I think it's actually one of our other old teammates, Dimitri. Yeah. Um, I was going to bring him up. So yeah. we, this originally, this convo part kind of came from the karting thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, one of our ex um, Cosmic Racing Australia teammates. I remember actually back in, I think it was 2014, maybe. Um, yeah. When was that? When you teamed up with him in Enduro? Was it? Was it? Did you team up with him in his Subaru or not? Oh uh, yeah, that was in the in the Subaru in 2017 uh, and 18. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, this is back in back in the karting days. Um, mm. I remember we were both thinking about. Uh, I think it was Easter Creek in reverse yeah. um, and it was for the New South Wales closed state titles, I think, or yeah. open states or something. And one of the, one of the things about that track in reverse is if you start on the outside, you're going to have a bad time yeah. <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, so is it a bit like speedway? Oh you're yeah. Stuck on the outside. Yeah, you don't want to get, you don't want to start P4. It's the worst. So yeah. I remember we were, um, I think we were, I think it might've been third and fourth or something, or it was mm. either, it might've been, no, sorry, it was second and third. That's right. Yep. We were coming second and third, and he was second, and I'm a third, and I knew the guy behind us was chasing us, and yep. um, I'm pushing him along. And it got to the last lap. I'm like, sweet, he can start second. I'll start third. That's I'm happy with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the guy behind me was pushing me along, and I'm going like, oh man, I hope I don't lose the fourth. I'm wanting to get. I'm 
I want to stay third, like just third, nothing yeah. else. Oh, and you don't I, want to get that push out of the way type yeah, of situation. Yeah, I don't, want to back, like, I don't want to be wasting time trying not to get second so that, and then lose to fourth in the process. You know, that just makes it even worse. So yeah. um, I was sitting there pushing Dimitri along going like, no, nah, no, nah, you go off and get second, I'm happy in third. Yeah. And um, he knew that and he also wanted third. So he kept looking back at me trying to like slow down and let me through. And I'm like, no, I'm not going past. Like you go. <laughs> Meanwhile, the old mate in fourth is like trying to pass us both. Yeah. Uh, we got to the last corner. We're coming up the hill and Dimitri like backs right out of it. And I'm like, we're like screaming up to the finish line. I'm like catching him, catching him, catching him. And um, I think I had to jam the brakes on literally as I crossed the line. And I was next to the guy in fourth coming across the line as well. So I like skidded across the line. and was like... Yeah, got there at the end, but um, all of that was to start third for the I think yeah. third, yeah, third for the um, final. So. What, what's your take though on obviously karting has changed massively since we left, um, since the doing era. What's your take on it now? Like, because back when we were racing, there was massive fields. I think back then it was it was literally one race for the state title, which you won in Tasmania as well, didn't you? Uh, for club and line, nearly. At one oh, nearly, nearly. Okay. I am still salty about that. You know, you know when people say you should let go of grudges, yeah. like in most sport, it just <laughs> never happens. Just, you remember every single race you almost won, and, oh. and in fact, I, I lose track of the ones I did win, remembering the ones I almost won. So. <laughs> that reminds me of someone else over here. Yeah. I'm like, just let it go, Dan. It's just it happened. It was in the moment. He's like, no, I'll always remember that. Oh, it's just it's <laughs> terrible. It's like we're all like, it's like it's it, no matter how successful yeah. you are you remember the one that got away and you're just like, yeah. could have had one more. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, this that particular one I was um, – I missed the first day of practice actually and flew to Tasmania during my schoolies trip actually. That's right. Wow. <laughs> um, I cut short schoolies to go and race go-karts. That's how, that's yeah. how crazy I was. And the, the whole like, you know, weekend after that we were sort of a little bit behind the eight ball. Because mm, um, you've been partying at schoolies. Yeah, that's right. I was still hungover. <laughs> Did you go to the Gold Coast or where'd you go? No, I couldn't go to the Gold Coast. Um, went to uh, Terrigal actually on the Central Coast. So we um, had a yeah bit of a wild time there uh, with no details needed oh, for I that never, one. <laughs> I never finished school, so I actually never got to do schoolies. Oh. So I actually don't know what that experience is like. There's always time, Dan. <laughs> it's always time. I'm, I'd be a toolie now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, always time to party. What are you talking yeah. about? Old man Dan. I'm actually getting great now. Anyway. <laughs> hey, you said it. <laughs> um, the, um, no, the, we were behind the eight ball and another one of our ex-teammates. Mm. This is like a podcast about all our, ex, our ex, um go-karting teammates. Was that Harry Harry? Yep. Yes, that's what I thought. He so. ended up winning. Um, mm. But in that race, because he'd won all of the races before that, fairly, yep. um, fit, not easily, but, you know, fairly – fairly comfortably. Yeah. And um, I said to dad before the race, like, I'm going to need to think of something here because he was faster than we were and I just couldn't, I couldn't match his pace. And mm. I was thinking, right, if all I can do really is just get ahead at the start and just try and defend it for the rest of the race. Got a mad start, like the best start I think I've ever got in all of my racing career. Yeah. Jumped from, I don't know if I was second or third or something. Anyway, I was behind him, jumped into first on the first lap and was like holding him off, holding him off, holding him off. And then I think, um, someone else passed him and yeah. then they punted me. Yeah. Um, was this in the final, was it? In the final, yeah. yeah it was okay. only about probably four laps from the finish or something Um, and because he tried to pass me like three times, Um, come up the inside. I'd like let him go because knowing I was going to get a better exit and just kept crisscrossing him. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, did that about three times and then I don't think he liked it very much. So <laughs> he got me the full time. <laughs> um, But, yeah, we I think we dropped back to fourth or something in the end. But, yeah, no, the – um. I never actually won an open state title in go-karting, unfortunately. I won the closed state in 2014. I thought you did win a state title. 
I won didn't. the closed state title in okay. 2014, but not an open state, unfortunately. It was one of the one of the things um, I probably came close to several times and then found a way to overthink it and throw it away. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, we, um, we as I said, I was, that's probably what I said earlier, you know, we missed out a couple of times in, in karting and, um, yeah, something about cars just worked from the get-go because I think we won out, I won my first racing cars, which was, which was good. So, yeah. Do um, you have any advice, though, for, like, guys, like, especially when you were younger and obviously a father and son team, to move into cars that are, like, a budget level? Do you have any Just thought? do it. Just do it? Just do it. Stop telling yourself you can't afford it. Uh, if, especially if you're spending big money doing go-karting, the, the budget you need to do state-level car racing is less than what you would spend on uh, like a serious national-level go-karting campaign anyway. It depends what you want to do. You know, If you want to race um, internationally in karting or something and, and go and race in Europe, then, yeah, by all means, keep, keep doing karting because that's what you should be doing. But um, if you want to race cars here, start the pathway, then you need to, you need to take action and actually do it. Um, we probably always thought car racing was more expensive than it had. Well, I mean, it is expensive, but like mm. more so more out of reach than what we probably thought it has been uh, when we were younger. And yeah. if you ask me, even in my last year of karting, you know, if you ask me, would I be racing formula Ford the next year? I'd have laughed, but yeah, no, you can actually, most things you can run yourself at a state level, if you're willing to put in the work and, and the time to understand the car. So yeah, procrastinating. Uh, and I shouldn't probably, I should uh, make a note that I'd, I procrastinate all the time. So I'm, it's a bit like a, you know, don't do as I say, not as I do type thing. But yeah. um, but if you procrastinate in making that decision, you just end up, you end up wasting time. Spot. Yeah, you end up wasting yeah. time. And sort of the earlier you get into cars and start trying to understand how the cars work and what you need to do differently, the better that'll put you um, five, six years down the track when you're trying to make that sort of step up into you know, development series or whatever it is you're trying to get to when you're, you know, in your early twenties or whatever. Um, it just puts you in a better stead. So what was your like what was your karting career compared to your first state year of racing in Formula Four though? Did did you find it like overwhelming at any stage or did you just treat it like a go kart? Um I think the first round was very uh not overwhelming, but you know, obviously a big step up. Mm. Um because we only bought the car about two weeks before the first race we did. So yeah, we bought, that was the ex-Maxwell car, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thomas Maxwell's um, ex-Sonic, um, yeah. Miguel. And, yeah, we, we bought the car, I think, two weeks before the first round and bought the seat and um, did – I don't know if we did half a test day or something or mm, it was top. very minimal testing. What, at Wakefield Park or at Eastern Yeah, at, at Wakefield Park. It was – it was if I can't remember actually whether we did a test day or not, but I don't think it was anything more than about two or three sessions. Yeah. Um, I think – Actually, no, I think we tested without the seat being poured. I was driving around with no seat, no actual seat, and it was just all rags and stuff trying Holy to make it work. Really? I think so. That yeah. would have hurt your ass big yes, time and it back. It was, wasn't fun. Oh, but um but then we poured the seat and then we came on the Friday to do the test day. That's right. The uh yeah, and then won the first race. <laughs> that yeah. was good. And that was just you Turned and your dad, well. wasn't it, at the start? Um, I think that first round, yes. We we got help from Colin Hill at various points that year. I don't recall whether it was at the first round or not, but was Cameron racing around when you first started, or was he just moved on to eighty um, sixes? Yeah, I think he had. Or was he the national title? Was he doing the nationals while you were racing state? I think he did the nationals. Yes, the year I did state series. I think. I think that's when he won it in mm. twenty. If if he won it in twenty fifteen, 
then yes, that was the same year. Yeah. Um, I should know this, but anyway, yeah, yeah. it's a long time ago now for me. <laughs> Getting old, mate. So. Yeah. so Colin and Cam were helping you you and your dad in, in your state campaign. Yeah, yeah, when we first started, yeah. And then we um, we got second in the state series that year. Yeah. Um, Who won uh, that one? In the state series. Yeah. Um, Andrew, Carl, I think. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we upgraded the car between 2015 and 16, I think. And um, the following year we did our national series and it was a much much improved car let's say yeah. so i think um we probably could have won the state series in the second year but we missed around doing nationals mm. and um ended up losing it by a handful of points so we got second again in 2016 yeah. was it the double points that i introduced the double points were good for me because i got a heap of points back i was nowhere near being contention until the double points came in yeah um but we were too far behind and i got i think we had a car failure in the very last. I was able, I was set up to win it, and then we had a car failure in the last race. Yeah, um, right. I think the I've been the ignition module. I think might have failed going into the last race. So, um, so yeah, I lost it without being able to defend it really, which is a Did, bit annoying. So. Didn't the listens also help you at one stage or not? Although I don't remember if they helped us directly at a round, but they certainly have helped us a lot across yeah. the across the years. We've got parts off them before and things fixed and, um, yeah, all sorts of stuff from Paul. Yeah. So they're the stalwarts there. They're always there and happy to help out anyone. Oh, they're fantastic. Mean? They're just great people. Yeah. Um, Will as well. I spent, what, seven days with Will over in Japan. Yeah. Um, Actually, how was that trip in Japan? Oh, unreal. I still have flashbacks to how good it was. Because <laughs> oh, you won that trip, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. As part of the as part of the Kaizen Award for 2019. Yeah. Um, Can you explain how the Kaizen Award works type of thing? Yeah, sure. Um, essentially, the 86 Series um, has an award each year called the Kaizen Award, which is effectively the um, – it's sort of a little bit like a best and fairest award, but – there's more uh, criteria that they have that you have to satisfy. So there's uh, you got to be able to present well the media and also just to the general staff and whatever and the people that work directly around you in the industry and everything. Well, you can have like minor incidents, but you can't be getting in trouble all the time on track. So if you get you know, if they say there was two people evenly sort of standing for the for the prize, if one person had a whole heap of penalties against them and the other didn't, they'd choose the one that didn't. Okay. You've got to sort of try and work hard on improving yourself, which is actually one of the main criteria for it. You've got to really have an interest in trying to do better and improve your performance and try and, you know, work with what work with the tools available to to yeah, improve your performance and get a better outcome, which I'm not gonna say it was the only factor, but one of the, I think, factors in me winning it that year was I think the second, it was actually at Townsville, they did like a workshop for people who'd never been on a street circuit before okay. um, or like to Townsville before. Toyota did this? Yeah, as part of the, um, wow, that's it was, actually it was pretty one cool. of the driver coaches, it was Bargs, Jason Bargwana. Yeah, he, um, right. Went through a full like workshop on like what you should do, what you shouldn't do, where to look at each corner and um, things you should be aware of and things to be like thinking about it while you're driving around and everything. And there was other aspects to it as well, but that was like the main the main part of it. And he sort of asked everyone, you know, there was an open invitation to everybody on the on the grid. You know, he said, even if you've done it before, you know, you might learn something by coming to coming to have a listen or whatever, which you know is, is true. You can always learn more, obviously. Mm. So everyone's invited, or just the rookies? No, everybody's invited, okay. and um, two people turned up. So yeah, <laughs> um, it's a bit unfortunate because it is actually like wait, so two people turned up to this thing with Bargwana. Yep. Just so you and who, do you remember the other I person or not? Don't remember the other person. Okay. No, but there was only a handful of like it was two, and then I think as like a bit later than when we originally turned up when it was supposed to start. Other people did turn up, but mm. it's only a handful of people, which I think contributed to it, I'll say, yeah. um, to them making that decision in the end. 
but yeah, like I, I got a lot out of it. What'd you learn from it though? Um, Cause like I've never raced on a street circuit. I've only done state racing. So if you were to teach me from Bargs, what would you teach me? Look up the road even further than you normally do. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's um, generally speaking, you can't see a lot. Like your vision's really reduced in street racing because you don't have. Uh, well, there's a lot of walls. There's a lot of walls, but they like hide the next flag points. So you can only usually see like one or two flag points ahead. Whereas somewhere like um, Phillip Island or something or Eastern mm-hmm. Creek, you can see several mm-hmm. um, and you might be able to see, you know, let's say 200 meters ahead of you at any time. Mm. Some places at Townsville, you can only really see like 50 meters ahead. So you need to be. You need to be looking as far up the road as possible, which sounds like obviously a fairly simple thing, but it does actually make a difference if you consciously try and do it. Yeah. Um, the other thing is when you make passes and and obviously on the receiving end of being passed, think about where you're going to end up if you commit to the pass because as the passing car, obviously you've got to commit to your overtake because the braking zones are so short generally on street circuits, like especially with a car with ABS, you know, you might only be braking for – 20 meters or something um, mm-hmm. in some places. And that's not a lot to get a big, a full car's overlap on someone. Yeah. Um, and if you overcook it and shoot past them and hit the wall on the outside on the exit, you can have the whole field pile into you. So. Yeah, right. And and, Toy- and obviously Toyota wants to keep a good nature with supercars to keep racing or something. Absolutely, so that will play yeah. into it too. Yeah, 100%. And they, they – Absolutely ream us if we if we um cause a massive accident. Yeah, if we cause problems and and have um like it was a bit of a shit show <laughs> in the wet. Yes, which, I, which kept highlighted. I was I was stoked watching you with Brooke and I were watching back at home by that point. How like you managed to like avoid all those cars at the time at Bathurst. Like someone 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 said to me a mess like sent me a message after that race finish. She's like, oh, you're on TikTok, and I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, don't have, I don't like I don't have a TikTok account, and they're just like. No, no, you're on TikTok. Like <laughs> your your race is on TikTok, and I'm like, yeah. right, okay. <laughs> I look it up, and it's this perfect shot of me just skating through the marbles. And I'm just like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so back to the street circuit stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No. The um, so you can't cause massive accidents. The yeah, you just got to be you just got to be aware of the consequences of of sort of the decisions you make, you know, at, at a track, at another track, you might have like a half a look and be able to pull out of it without causing a problem. It's very hard to do that on a street circuit. You've got to commit to the pass because if you, like if you just leave your nose in, um, you're going to turn the person around and either they'll hit the fence or they'll tag you as you come past and then you'll hit the fence. So mm. you got to be a bit more careful than what you normally are. Or I mean, obviously it's always good to be careful, but you should be a little bit more sensible and f- sort of thinking ahead of where you are. Probably another thing is be careful on the starts. Um, this is sort of true at a few non-street circuits as well, um, but particularly Townsville because it's quite narrow. If you're jumping off the start line, always be ready for the car ahead to stall because and be like have a, a plan set in your mind already for where you're going to go. Yeah. Um, I noticed actually Townsville this year the the gap between the left grid and the left wall is actually about one and a fifth car widths wide or something. Yeah. Um, and yeah, trying to get through that gap. Would not work. Is well, it's going to be pretty spicy. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to, if you want, if you think you can get your whole car through there without hitting anything, go yeah, for it. But multi-colored carbon at the end of the yeah, first lap. that's right. I mean, and keeping that in mind, you know, like if you're that's coming from the left side, but if you're on the right hand side at Townsville, there is a little bit more space because there's a grass section on the right. Mm. But if you already know, like if you have in the back of your mind that the guy on the left side is probably going to go to the middle if he has that problem. Mm. It doesn't help you if you also go to the middle and you have like side to side contact. So you should already be thinking if I if it's possible, I want to go to the right. So just thinking about all those things beforehand and having a clear plan 
um, before who, you even start would help. Who's on the radio for you? Your dad all the time or? Yeah. Okay. Because you've had Scott, you've had, obviously, we heard that, uh, was it ex Driver, Trent as well, yep, turn Trent. up. Did you actually do Aussie Driver Search? Uh, I did, yeah. It was, I don't remember which year it was, but. Um, was the, that the 2086 year or that Aussie race car year? And then they do the V8 supercar and then went broke. Uh, it was the last year before they went broke, I think. Yeah. So I test drove um, a V8 Ute, an 86 and... Did you do the supercar or not? Super 3 or not? No. Uh, no, no. No. I was unfortunately not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> Did Sadly. you like the concept though? I think it's a great concept. I think um, obviously the way that that turned out was unfortunate for certain people involved. But yeah. um, but the, uh, the concept is good. Um, yeah. I think it... it I mean, it's, it's obviously easy to speak about it from the outside, but mm. just from what I understand of it and how it was sort of going um, in its early years, I think it would work really well as a having the top level as being like an 86 campaign or something. Oh, I agree. I said this on another podcast. If, yep. he, if, if Kyle had stuck to like two classes instead of four, yep. he would have made his money on his profit because he would only had two, technically two, three cars to look after the same yep. car. Yep. But he, he went out... I, I get why he went the supercars direction because everyone in in a, who's a motorsport fan in Australia wants to race a supercar. Yeah, most do. Yeah. Um. But yeah, what's yeah, your no, take I on think, that? I think he's um. You can't fault the guy for trying to give people access to a dream that a lot of people have. Hmm. Um. And I think it's more unfortunate than anything, as I said, how it turned out. Yeah. Um. I do feel sort of a little bit bad for the people involved at the time who thought they had something they didn't, but. Generally speaking, yeah, as far as I understand from the outside, it was working quite well when the 86s were the the main thing. The, the main thing, yeah. And um, I think given my experience of 86s, they're fairly cost-effective to run. So, yeah. um, What's a budget for one of them, say, if someone off the street wants to, even from state racing like myself, wants to go race an 86? What's like the, the yearly budget on one of those things? I think it depends a little bit on how you want to do it. If you're going to do it yourself, you're going to save, you're going to save money obviously on the – uh, weekend to weekend operation logistics um, and all that yeah, yeah definitely um, yeah. but you're also gonna have to buy the car so from the investment side of it you're gonna need i'd say probably 50 grand minimum to get a good car anything less than that and you're gonna have to give it a fairly good look over before you take it on track and above that you're probably looking at uh, maybe 30 to 40 for the year yeah um so and running costs if you that's that's factoring in a little bit of um mm. allowance for damage and stuff like that so this so. is a privateer budget yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. if you're gonna that's, do it that's what i'm kind of talking about a privateer budget yeah yeah yep. it can be you can get away with a little bit less than that if you have a fairly clean year like this year i probably spend less than that because i didn't have too many accidents fortunately but you need you need to factor in some like a little bit of accident damage because there's nothing worse than doing three quarters of a series and then running out of money because you can't afford to fix the car and you miss, you know, yeah. the next round or whatever. So, But those two, the current model, the current gen, as I'll call it, um, you, essentially you can build the car yourself and go racing, can't you? Compared to the, the new ones coming out of the box and you literally, Toyota gives you that car. Is that yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, the new ones are going to be turnkey. So um, Neil Bates Motorsports building, I'm not quite sure how many the first yeah. Um, the first run is going to have, but yeah, so he'll be, he'll be building, I think, I think it's 30 or something. And then they're going to be, um, sold to obviously people who want to run the new, new car in the series. Um, yeah. the existing cars were given a spec to build to, I believe, um, mm. the cage was a certain spec. And as long as you, um, as far as I understood it, I think you get 
you bought the car, got the cage put in. Um, you could do it yourself if you were you know, mm. knew how to, to like knew how to do it. Yeah. Um, and then it gets certified as being a particular FIA grade. I think once you do that, everything else is basically bolt on parts. So yeah, it's pretty. They're pretty easy to work on and build. To be honest, like we we always worked on it ourselves and never had an issue. Um, you know, got gearbox changes down to about an hour. Really? It. Yeah, it was pretty wow. quick. Yep, that is impressive. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> once you do it, once you do it about five million times, you get good at it. So <laughs> it turns out I'm a little bit harder on the gear than some other people. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, no, it's um they're, they're fairly easy to work on. The worst, the worst we had was when I um I got the back of someone at Newcastle at the end of 2019. Hmm. Um, and it sort of crushed some of the front end and whatever. No rail damage or anything major like that, but um just a lot of bodywork stuff because they're all really thin so they bend very easily and the other thing it did was punch the top of the uh, oil cooler off yeah so when that happened that sprayed oil everywhere and the motor was fine but we took it out anyway to go and get checked um mm. and just in replacing all that stuff that probably took us about two weeks total of just like that's that's with me and dad both working normally as well like that's just in the evenings and whatever going going to do it but that's yep. probably the worst thing we had to be honest um if you if you do a cage, that's bad. Like you're going to have to do a lot more work, but um, yeah, pretty much replace a car at that point. Yeah. Then you've got bigger problems. So um, yeah. it'd be hard to do that though. Like I've never really even heard of, of someone damaging a cage in most of the accidents that have happened, maybe two or three or something in the entire time I did the series is, is all I ever heard of, mm. um, of being like unrepairably bad. There's been some really big ones that were actually completely fixable. So yeah, no, it's, it's dependent on what you, yeah. Your skill set is, I guess, more than anything. If you if you're if you've got mechanical sort of skills or a half mechanical mindset, you can work out what to do. The rest of it's yeah, it's right. pretty straightforward. Unfortunately, I know how to go straight, but don't know how to fix. <laughs> <laughs> That's myself. Yeah, I've well. got to ask though, because um, you were battling hard with the the kid that you tutored in Formula Ford to race against, and then ended up battling him technically two was it two years in a row, Zach? Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So how was it like going back before the Toyota days? Um, obviously working with, so who was his teammate? You had Zach, uh, Zach and Cooper Allen at yeah. the time. And then potentially it was going to be me, but that, that went off the cards, yeah. which no one knows until now. No, <laughs> no, we, um, yeah, it's too much, too much. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of reasons as to why we stopped doing formula forward stuff. Um, yeah. but the uh, was it, was coaching it? Zach was, was actually really good. It was, um, Particularly with him and and Cooper at the time, they were both very competitive and equally sort of equally matched in terms yeah. of pace. Um, I think Cooper was generally, I think he was generally quicker in qualifying, and Zach was generally um, would come through in the races or vice. Like it would sort of depend a little bit on the track. I think um, Cooper was stronger at Eastern Creek from memory, and Zach was stronger at, at mm-hmm. Wakefield. But the Dealing with I I can't remember how old they would have been at the time like sixteen or something dealing with two sixteen year old yeah um, young fellas is uh, <laughs> can get very difficult <laughs> while you were racing eighty six yeah that's right time. that's right while we were racing and and also um, they would just bring their cars to the track wouldn't you and you would coach is that how it would work or did you uh, or did you maintain their cars as well no generally they maintain the cars okay um, I think we. A couple of times, obviously, we gave him some direction on things to do, um, but the the main part of the looking after the cars, they, um, they managed. 
Yep. Um, for me at the time, it wasn't feasible to to maintain the cars myself because um, I was still at uni as well at the time. So I was trying to do uni racing. Yeah. Um, work, how, how did you juggle, How did you juggle that? Did you have like less sleep in in some areas? And yeah, that? I'm catching it all up on all of it now, mate. <laughs> uh, no, the um, it's the same as anything, man. You sort of allocate your time out and try and get ahead of the head of the curve and get things planned early. It was a little bit easier then because uni was quite flexible with my um it was pre-covid but they were still flexible with being able to work um or like do class away from uni so that side of it was probably good from uni uni perspective but i did actually have to drop back to doing it part-time to get everything done because i just couldn't do the like sometimes with uni you can't control the, the times they'll give you they'll, they'll just mm. tell you these are the days yeah. you're available so yeah and, oh, and you can't like, do much yeah, about yeah. it yeah it's like if it's a 6 p.m class or a midday class and you're in the middle of everything you're like well that just like stuffs up the whole day 100 percent. yeah and what, what uni were you at western sydney yeah yeah and so you got were you far from home the travel time it was distance wise it was a little way but um fortunately i live um, near Blacktown. So yep. for me going out to Penrith, um, I'm going against the traffic in both morning and afternoon. Yep. So it was quite, it was quite easy for me to, to get there. Um, it was only about 25 minutes or something each way. Yeah. But the problem was I kept having these electives that were only available. Like they'd give you two time slots, but on the same day and it would always be a Friday every time. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> why do you only offer me this on the day that I need to be available for racing? Yeah. yeah. Cause Friday's the only day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The practice days and stuff. That's oh, it. So I was, um, I was getting pretty annoyed that, um, so yeah. your dad would take over technically at the track till you'd get there. Is that what would happen with the, with the two boys? Um, Sometimes, yeah, like he would do the the Friday if I wasn't able like to be there at all. Mm. Um, I did try hard to be there on the Fridays as much as possible. But, yeah, sometimes he'd do the Friday and manage it and I'd come on the Saturday and Sunday to help, yeah, basically did Cameron make Hill, faster. Did Cameron Hill give you any advice in running a team? Because he was doing it himself, do you know what I mean? He was doing similar. Um, he did originally just in regards to um, sort of the service, the service side of it, I guess, like what service equals sort of what. No training what on dollar figure. To, yeah, right. Um, no training on teenagers. <laughs> no, 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 I don't think anyone even. I think yeah. if someone could give training on teenagers, there'd be a whole heap of mums all around the world lining up, <laughs> ready, ready to pay any money. So, that would pay our bills for oh, car racing. Oh, for sure. If I, if I knew that secret, mate, I'd be, I'd be um, supercars already. What do you like? It's, it's um, yeah. No, I mean, no. The boys are actually quite good. It wasn't. It wasn't always the boys that was the problem it was the yeah. um the parents living vicariously through their children oh, that was a little yeah. bit more. Rick, Rick was quite yeah. good with the engineering though like yeah he was um he still is he still he knows like obviously Rick's had a very extensive um history in motorsport so um mm. he knows a thing or two but um but yeah no he was he was always quite good um but Neil, Neil knew what he was doing as well like Neil was an engineer well he's an engineer as well so um they were both like they both knew what they were doing. It's just obviously you get very emotional in the context of the situation when you're seeing your son race and you want him to win, and mm. they both knew each other. So it was sort of a bit like, oh, you know, we want to be friends, but I also want my son to beat your son. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it's the way it goes, unfortunately, with um, those sort of things where you got to uh, balance, you know, friendship and what you're what you're trying to I'm do. I'm pretty it for, sure so. that year those two boys were around down on myself and Lachlan as well. That's when the double points playing came into play as well for those boys too. I think. Um, yes, it was in the last like, round. I think that's where the pressure came from though. Do you know what I mean? Because you both, like I've come from last year round down and you're trying to hunt the championship. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah. And that's where the pressure might have come from. Or do you reckon it was just literally mono on mono because oh. both, both kids want to win anyway. They don't care. There about was pressure that. there, but they 
what happened in the last round was more just an accident than anything else. Um, yeah. They both made a bit of a judgment error in committing to a move that wasn't necessary at the time. Yeah. Um, but that's sort of the way it goes, unfortunately, in racing. You sometimes make good decisions, you sometimes make bad decisions, and you got to live with them. Um, I think they both uh, realized after the fact that in some ways, actually, to be honest, it would have been a little bit worse had one of them won the series and the other one lost it due to that accident. Yeah, okay. Um, because they both didn't win the series, I think they both realized that having a bit more foresight in what you're actually trying to achieve there, particularly since it was only the first race anyway, they both probably learned that the championship game doesn't get decided till the last race and trying to win it in the first race of the weekend doesn't get you anywhere, especially if you hit each other and then take each other out. Yeah, so, I'm really, really like that myself. <laughs> yeah, so it is sort of unfortunate. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, but um, yeah, with all with all that stuff though, I've got to ask, how was like coach, like did how did Rick uh, – did he approach you for coaching or did you, where did you coach anyway? Was it even, was it just on general roads? Was it at a Bannon airport? Like how, how does, how does his business model work? Um, generally Rick operates by sort of planning ahead of time with Toyota as in for the, for the drive days and everything. Uh, it's all very, very organized before I get involved, to be honest. I don't know too much of the detail in what he does behind the scenes. Yeah. I know that there's a whole lot of recce involved in discussion with Toyota, but he, yeah, basically plans it all out ahead of time and subcontracts drivers into and like coaching people into come and yeah, basically do the job and make sure people don't crash their nice yeah, cars. Their nice cars. <laughs> and yeah. what about driving solutions? How'd that come about? Uh, driving solutions came about through mutual contact. I think it was Cameron Crick. Yeah, Cameron Hill, one of the two. Oh. Both are coming on the podcast. So how about yeah, that? one of you. <laughs> one of those two was. I think it might have been Cricky. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I yeah. think it was Cricky. But yeah, he just sort of recommended me to James, and James gave me a go, which is good. And I didn't mess it up on the first day, which is even more good, even yeah. more good. So um, yeah, no, it's just sort of yeah, no, it's been good basically. Yeah. Is it fair play though when you have like Cricky and Hill? I think no, Cameron was he still in Formula? F- oh no, he was in. He'd moved on from 86s because he sold his car to you, didn't he? But did does any of those guys? Give any advice when you're like around in the paddock or not really? Um, a little bit, but yeah, no, they uh, tend to, everybody's tend to be, tends to be quite busy on their own race weekends. Um, yeah. So yeah, like they, they've been very helpful. I'm not going to say they're not been helpful, but um, obviously I understand and I'm the same when I'm at race at a race weekend, we sort of stick to our own things. Um, yeah. but, but no, Cameron, well, both Camerons have been very helpful in trying to arrange things for this year, um, for this coming year. I mean, like they've been helpful in giving me some advice and guidance on how to get into into, yeah, what we want to do next. Yeah, did Galvo give you any advice on carts? Well, not really. Galvo always gave me advice, unsolicited and solicited. So, um, <laughs> Life yeah. advice and racing. Yeah, advice. just general advice. It was always good advice. But yeah, did you go on any road trips with him? No, did you? I did. I went on plenty. He actually, he actually taught me to drive a manual car. He was the first person to teach me to drive a manual. He literally told me one time because I was like, oh, I don't know how to drive autos. So we drove up to Tamworth and he told me, hop in the seat, mm. you're going to tow the cart trailer and we're going to go to Tamworth. And I was fucking, I was shitting my pants. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Sounds not like only, Elva. Not only did I not know how to drive a four-wheel drive, which is what it was, but it was also a trailer. Yeah. And I was like 16, 17. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Lucky you. I missed yeah. out by the sound of it. Yeah. Do you have any favourite car trips though, like any road trip stories or anything like that or not really? Not really, man. It was always just me and my dad. Yeah. <laughs> well, coming towards – oh, actually, before we end this podcast, I know you love Formula One. Mm-hmm. What's your take on Formula One last year with Lewis and Max? Should uh, that played out better or not really? 
uh, it's always easy to say in hindsight. I think the the effort from Hamilton in that race overall, I think merited the win. I'll yeah. put it that way. I don't have a preference between them, to be honest. I don't like. I'm not a massive supporter of either. On the balance of it, I think Hamilton, as much as anyone deserves anything in motorsport, probably deserved the win more. Yeah. However, at the end of the day, who crosses the line first? So Max did that, and it is what it is. I think. I think the. There was lessons for the FIA that's come out of that one, and they've seemed to have implemented them, which is good. But um, but yeah, sometimes having a um, there's a very there's a very clear line when racing becomes too much entertainment and not enough racing. So yeah. I think they sort of reached that point where it's at yeah that point. precipice, and, yeah. and they stared into it and pulled themselves back. Fortunately, so it's yeah. good. What do you think about Drive to Survive though? Do you do you, have you watched it or you just kind of skip it? I uh, do, but it's it's very over dramatized. It's not an accurate picture of what happens. So. Yeah. Um, I think all the drivers themselves would tell you if they weren't on camera that it's nothing like that really. They're all good friends. So. Yeah. I had I had one of the kids' dads try to film me this year in my racing and I did not want to have a part of it. So I totally understand with that type of thing. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's also how they portray it, like you yeah. said. I was saying that to Dan, like we talked about it on the podcast before, like some of the drivers you can see even being an ex-athlete myself, they've – they're portrayed in a way where they're picking moments to yeah. say someone's like, you know, like they, I felt like in the last season of Drive to Survive, they were picking on Lando to be, uh, yeah, Norris, yeah against, to be about. Against Sainz or something like that or, or Oh, Ricardo I think it was or, even Ricardo, and, yeah. that, and they're making him out to be like the, yeah. like, you know, they, when they give that evil persona sort Dra- of thing. Drama sells, drama yeah. sells though. That's and I'd hear it in it the is. office from people who weren't into even sports. Yeah, And they'd yeah. be into it, and I'd be sitting there going, that's, that, no, no, I just don't see it that way, yeah. It's, it's why reality TV works <laughs> yeah. for so many people. So. It is amazing how it does, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's over-dramatized. I mean, it's, it's good to get people into the sport, of course, but, um, I would say people need to be in the sport for the right reasons, not mm. for the not for the wrong ones. So. Yeah. yeah. What do you think of the whole charter situation? Like the charters, as in wrecks for supercars and F one. You know how you know how there's so many drivers yeah. now in the, in Super Two and F two who can't get their way in. Should there be like a system going through for the champion in F two and Super Two? To, you know, because it's a debate that comes up on social media all the time. Yeah. What's your take on that? Because obviously you're trying to fight your way through to the grid, you know what I mean? Above yeah. to whatever you're going to next. It's 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 money versus talent slash money yeah, and talent. You know it's what I mean? a complicated debate. I mean, at the end of the day, someone's got to pay the bills for motorsport. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about the REC situation. I would like to see more cars on the grid. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I'd say I understand the financials as to why there's the number of cars there are. Yeah. Like it's, a, it's a difficult thing to balance and at the end of the day – if adding cars is at the expense of the overall product and, you know, the overall ability to have what supercars has, then it's obviously not a good thing to yeah. have more cars. From an entertainment, uh, sorry, from a, a, a spectator's point of view, more cars is the, more cars the better. Yeah. So I think they possibly could look at doing something different for Bathurst. The other rounds, I think it is what it is, but Bathurst, I think they could possibly look at getting some more cars into Mm. To uh, and making it non-championship potentially to to try and make sure uh, everybody's like, racing like the old days. Yeah, because at yeah. the moment, you know, if you if you're collecting points, you're not going to take a risk. Whereas, you know, if you want to win the Bathurst One Thousand, it's not championship, and there's thirty five cars on the grid. It's going to be like who doesn't want to see that? You know, yeah. you're always going to go for it. So it'd be uh, it'd be good to see, but I don't know that they'll go that way. Supercars doesn't have prize money or a person, do they? I'm just shocked because it is like Brooks gone to Bathurst this year. Like the amount of like stuff that goes into it. Like you won 50k in 2086s. <laughs> That's why I'm bringing it up. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like 
you would think now with the amount of commercial sponsorship behind supercars that they would have a bit of prize money. Maybe they do, but it's just off the cards. Yeah, I don't know what they do behind the scenes, but um, I mean, maybe it'd be a good incentive for some of the guys to uh, go for yeah. a bit more of a move. I don't know. But um, yeah. yeah, no, it's certainly not the reason I did 86s. It's certainly helpful, but it's not the reason I did it. So no, of course not, um, but yeah. Yeah, no, it's um, one of those things where it's good incentive, but not the be all and end all at the end of the day. Yeah. I think it, dep- it would depend on it would depend on the quantity of prize money as to whether it was a good or whether it actually achieved anything. Is what I should say. They they do give money for the poll awards and stuff, don't they? So yeah, I mean, they do. They, they they do have um some things like that. But as I said, it depends on the quantity of money that you're talking about at the end of the day and who's funding it. So yeah, true, true. With yeah, anyway, we'll, we'll, we can actually pretty much wrap up this podcast. But I've got. Two game for two game shows for you, Lockie. Mm-hmm. I only bring this up every five episodes or more. Okay. Uh, the first one is I don't know if you've listened to the podcast before called the Fast Five. Have you heard of it? No. Uh, Should well, I, Brooke? You can this introduce is a, this it. This is a trivia game. This is five um, five questions. Have I got here? Oh, I can't even remember. Yeah, we got five questions. Um, if you get more than three right, so you know over halfway, um, you get a good prize. If not, Dan's got like some fun stuff behind his desk that yeah. you get instead. Yeah, uh, <laughs> fun stuff either way. The Not se- sure what I want to know. Yeah, I know everyone gives that same look. They're like, shit. Um, and then the getting the second part is more like getting to know you. So we played yeah. this with Sam Young and we're going to play this game with you and it, so people can just see like, you know, away from the track, who are you? And we ask some very random questions. Yeah. Okay. Just thrown at the wall type of thing. To make you f- not feel so bad, I've failed on my own fast oh, five. Yes, I test. Okay, so Dan's now failed. Well, he kind of got a little bit banned from making the questions because they were so like no one was ever going to get them. And so I've ma- I made them last week for Sam Walsh and now we've got you on, but I test them on Dan. And so far he managed to get, would you get one out of two? Two, two, out, two, of two out of five this week. He got so zero out of five. But when I say this, like Sam last week, you know, passed. So I, I feel like you'll have this one. Dan was just, I don't Hopefully. know, he was off his game. He was off his game yeah, on this. So there we go. All right, so the Let's first go. question is, Name the three previous circuits raced in the Toyota 86 series that are no longer included in the series last raced in 2019. The one, uh, the, okay. the tracks that are not. Newcastle, mm-hmm. um, Phillip Island, yep. and where else did we go? Oh, there's one more. Where did we go? Uh, 2019. That hasn't been raced since. The Bend? No, close. It was Winton. Ah, yeah, so, oh, what do you, there you oh, go. Okay. Oh, you know what, would you give him that one? You got two you'll, get, you'll get it. We'll, we'll leave that as a half point, we'll that one. We'll leave that as a half point. Yeah, we'll right. leave it Brooks, half point. Brooks Dan struggled with the Newcastle one. He's like, there's no other tracks in New <laughs> South Wales. He's screaming at me. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be a track, Dan. That's always there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Good trick. Yeah. Uh, okay, question number two. When was the Toyota Motor Corporation founded? You should know this from the oh, Kaizen. Man. Yeah, they've asked me stuff about this since yeah. I went there and I always forget it all. Um, 19 post-war would have been, no, pre-motor corporation, so post-war, 1956? Mm. 1930. 1930. Pre-war. Yeah. yeah, but you went post, so I was like, ooh, we're yeah. going to miss this one. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, Post-World War One. <laughs> <laughs> You're going towards a shitty price. <laughs> yeah, oh Not uh, yet, you got, you got, you got three you got more. Three more to go. About half a point. How many cart, How many karting clubs across Australia are affiliated with Karting Australia and its members 
Member, it's member state associations. This is what I was going to I have no idea. So that's what I said, dude. Brooks gone way out of the. I actually thought this one was funny because everyone's complaining about 50? how many. 50. Oh, oh better, than, better than my guess. 64. Okay. That's oh, nice. So you got yeah. half a point so far. You can come back and collect two points for the last two. The 55 returned to the supercars grid full time this year, which is the driver. 55 in supercars, Viet supercars this year. The 55, number 55. Number 55. 55. Who races number 55 in supercars this year? Full time this year. Yep. Who came back? Who's 55? Yeah. Just a number. Uh, Who who races the number 55 in supercars? I'll laugh if he said the same bloke I did. (laughs) 55. See? Oh, he's stuck on it too. I can't think who's come back. I'll give you a hint. We used to race him. See, he's the same thing. <laughs> I don't feel so bad They show him so much on TV. He gets a lot I of the interviews. No you have no- <laughs> that's hilarious. It is Thomas Randall. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> See, that's what I said too. Oh, God. Oh, I feel no. like you both should have known that one. Oh, I was like, come on. I that. that's All right. Easy. Well, you can, you can kind of bounce back. You, got one, you can make one and a half points. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. All right. Which super true driver made his second Bathurst start for Tickford this year? Mm. I got Zach this one. Best. Yes, correct. There you go. Oh, you got the same amount of you got the same amount as I did. Oh, well. <laughs> you did. Must be a cosmic thing, mate. Yeah. Do I give the prize? Do I yeah, go to the yeah, next give one? Give prize now because you don't prize give... number one. Yeah. All right. Well, that was that was pretty average. So I'll give you an average prize. That sounds about right. <laughs> what have you got there, Dan? Behind I'm going to give you. Ooh. Thanks, mate. The Doritos Hot Supreme. Oh, hot Supreme, oh. everyone. Dan's they giving them because they made him super unwell. They <laughs> make me unwell as well, I think. That's uh, that's likely to give me a bad time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he was like, Dan loves super, super hot things yeah. and he's like always challenging himself. And he's like, yeah, yeah, These they always pretend these brands that they're hot and they won't be. Yeah, let's just say he spent a lot of time in the toilet. Yep. <laughs> well, this next one's called Getting to Know Lockie. <laughs> Like oh, yeah. for the camera there. That's it. <laughs> All right. Question All right. number one. Okay, these are ten questions. First off, let's just say this: you, you just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Quick fire. Yeah. Quick fire. Okay. Let's fire. Let's do it. Cool. Getting to know Lockie. Question number one: Do you sleep with your socks on or off? Off. Off. Okay. If you had to choose between brushing your teeth or wiping your butt, which one would it be? For life. For life. For life. Yes. It's got to be the butt, surely. (laughs) That's a (laughs) no-brainer. I'd go with that one too. All right. Do you like pineapple on your pizza? Yep. You do? Damn. Why do people like- Pineapple is amazing on anything. It's not. (laughs) It's a fruit on a pizza. It tastes weird. It's great. You may as well have apple or kiwi fruit on your pizza. I love it. I don't know. Hopefully people in the comments can go with me on this one. Pineapple people. (laughs) (laughs) No. Go with me. Pineapple not on pizza. All right. Okay. What's your go-to excuse for avoiding meeting someone? Um, miss the bus. Miss the <laughs> bus. All right. We'll go with that one. All right. What movie has made you cry? Um, Wally. Oh, Wally? yeah. Oh, that made me cry. Them. I was I thinking of a few I've had. Million Dollar Baby was another one that made, <laughs> I thought made me cry Wally's the whole the time. One. Mine was actually Titanic. No. Mine was no, Titanic no. as a kid. Uh, All right. What is something really popular now, but in five years, everyone will look back on and be embarrassed by and don't say my Facebook account. Um, (laughs) The things they're posting on TikTok. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, uh, it's cringy because I legit got into TikTok today and it was terrible. Well, no comment for you, Dan. I'm not, I'm not commenting on your taste. Yeah. All right. Question number seven, is The Office actually funny? Why or why not? Yeah, heck yeah. Yes. But the American one. The American, American yeah. Office is funny. I love that one. I totally forgot about the UK version. It's, it's Jim V. Dwight has yes. got to be one of the best bromances of all time. Yeah. So, yeah. What's your favourite Office episode? Uh I don't know, to be honest. I just identity theft. I love is moments. I love the moment where Toby comes back. Yeah. That's yeah. my favorite moment of all time. Yeah. So. Michael's face. Uh-huh. <laughs> Question number eight, you'll love this one. Why do you think the first what, what do you think the first person to milk a cow was actually thinking? Or trying to or do. Or trying to do. Yeah. What do you think the first person to milk a cow was actually trying to do? Was he like, I've always wondered. Yeah, was he horny or was it she? Was she horny? I think just. Uh, uh, did she just poke at something and go, oh, far out? Someone this, was tasty. Very, very drunk. Very drunk? <laughs> no, no, no idea what they were thinking, but they were probably drunk. They just got under a cow one day and went, what does oh, this do? Yeah. Oh, look at this. Oh, shit. I might, might, as, might as well drink some. That's All right. It. Question number nine What is the most boring sport in the world? Lawn bowls. Lawn bowls. Oh. oh, not cricket, not, not tennis, not lawn bowls. Lawn bowls. Could you play lawn bowls though? Oh, actually, didn't we do that with Emma? We, we did. Oh, gosh. That was terrible. It was terrible. That was boring that day. <laughs> I said to you, every time I've ever been, I've just gone down there and gotten really sunburnt and then not yep. really remembered what happens because yep. then you end up drinking too much to try and like combat the sun. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. It's a battle. And then you forget the game itself. Mm hmm. And it's off the card. It's a battle. It's a battle to stay interested. <laughs> Last question, Lockie, to end the podcast. What's your stance on pets with human names like Charles for a dog? Uh, each to their own. But I feel like uh, pets, are, pets are pets. Pets are pets. What would you name your pet? If uh, Do you have a pet? No, I don't uh, have a pet. If you had a pet, what would you name it? Um, Just out of random. Oh, dog or cat. Dog or cat. Dog. Yeah. But it would be... Oh, Gosh, what would it be? I'd probably call it something silly, to be honest, knowing me. Dwight or something. Dwight. <laughs> that's, a, but, yeah. that's a person's name. Yeah, that's right. In fact, yeah, I'm just arguing. Oh, I was like point. Toyota? <laughs> yeah. Boris, who knows? Not that's sure. Another, oh, you're going with a person's name. Maybe, maybe some people are good at it, some people aren't. No, and, not sure, man. Anyway, dude, I'm, I'm really appreciate that you came on the podcast today. Thanks for um, having me, man. And it's good for a bit of a nostalgic ride to talk 100%. about our karting past. That's it. And um, if you had to do something, I'm just going to throw this in. If you had to do something in the past which you would love to do again, what would it be? Would it be a kart race? Would it be? Kaizen Award. The Kaizen Award. The thing in Japan, it was so good. Oh, well, actually, I want to talk more in Japan because Brooke's also yeah, Before we wrap, let's ask. I was going to say, what part of Japan were you in and what did you get to do when you were there? We were in generally around Mount Fuji most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was this? I can't remember the name of the town, but, yeah, we were in Mount Fuji for yeah. like that locale for most of the time. Yeah. Um, did a lot of track work. I did something like 12 practice sessions or something at, at, at um, Fuji Speedway, which is good. Um, What's that track like though? Is unreal. It awesome? It's huge and it's awesome and it's, I want to go back. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, no, the, the whole, the whole thing was, um, you know, a wonderful experience and something I'm never going to forget. I think being able to go and represent Toyota in Australia over in Japan was um, a bigger deal than I sort of expect or anticipated beforehand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, once I was there, it sort of hit me how big it was. So um, I spent a lot of the time trying not to make an idiot of myself. But, um, but yeah, and it was, um, we did all sorts of stuff. Like, Did you do the Mario Kart thing? Brooks no, we weren't, yeah. we, we weren't able to do that one, unfortunately. No, yeah, yeah that's oh, something I'll do if I go the, back. The um, theme park there? Um, 
the one, the Disney one or the? No, 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 the Mount Fuji, like their theme park. It's the one with the biggest like roller coasters in the world, the fastest, the ones with the yeah, no, biggest dips and stuff. No, we yeah. we did a lot of Toyota-centric yep. sort of stuff, of course. But, yep. um, but yeah, no, we did. We did. Um, uh, we had dinner one night with an ex-Japanese racing driver and he um, he has a piece of the original Fuji Speedway circuit that was given to him by the track, I think the track or someone, because he was he was actually fairly famous but he just does his own little like chef thing now. So we went and had, he was a chef and we were he was cooking for all of us oh, and we all had cool. a sit-down dinner. So that was, that was really cool. Awesome. Talking on food, I've got a, I've, I get so fascinated by this and by the time Brooke and I go over there, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm fascinated by their vending machines. Did you try any any of their random vending machines? Nope. Because they, <laughs> they can make pizzas, they can make pizzas, they can deliver cars. It is the coolest yeah, hot, shit. Hot cold drinks. Hot cold drinks. <laughs> no, we, I didn't know how to make it work, unfortunately. Did you see the car vending machine over there or not? Oh, man. That's... Oh, I want to go. I want to go to Japan anyway. Oh, well, Dan will be time. easily amused when he's there. Come, come, come with me next time. Yeah, we'll, we'll all go together. Yeah. Anyway, cheers, Lucky, for coming on the potty. Yeah. And, Thanks, um, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks Thank for you. having me. Cheers. cheers. See you next week. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of On the Couch with Hooli. Make sure to subscribe to our show so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. And to help us grow, please leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. For extra content, check out our YouTube and social channels. You can find all the links in the show notes. See you next week.